It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson here, Painter Sharpless over there. Hello, Painter. Howdy. So we've got a lot to talk about here. Um, Auburn is entering its uh, its its off week of spring practices. Uh, the Tigers getting through the first couple weeks, getting through the first scrimmage. Uh, they will have an off week. Kind of a pseudo spring break because the university is not having one uh, this year because of the suggested protocols for COVID-19. So the Tigers will not be in action this week. They'll come back for two more weeks, which will culminate in eight day, and the and that'll wrap up the first spring under Bryant Harson. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. It it doesn't feel like it's it's already been two weeks. I feel like to me personally, with all the stuff that's been going on with practice, the, the, these first couple of weeks flew by. The tough part is, and you're know, recording this on Saturday. I, I guess the I guess we have to start with the the, the rough news from spring ball uh, because of, I mean, just how good this guy was playing is how well he was doing in, in, in spring practices. And that, that was the news that came out Friday and Jeremiah Wright tore his ACL. Uh, this was first reported by uh, Nathan King over at, uh, over at Auburn undercover, Jeremiah Wright going down with an injury on Thursday, Nathan reported according to his sources. And then uh, Jeremiah Wright, Putting up on his Snapchat, his public Snapchat post, uh, which I don't, I don't have Snapchat, so I didn't, wasn't able to see that one. But according to his public Snapchat post, that he did indeed tear his ACL, and this is the like the one thing you hate the most about spring practice because you got to get better, you got to work. Guys are getting on the field, but like the last thing you want is for somebody to come down with a serious injury at any at any time, but especially when they're not actually playing games. And Jeremiah Wright was playing so well, like I said. Uh, that man, this is a really, really tough break for a dude who was really starting to turn the corner. And and I mean, I, he had a real shot to to be a a key contributor for Auburn this season. I mean, he was playing first team reps at defense tackle. Not to make light of the situation because it sucks for him on a personal level, and it pushes back his goals for another year. Yet another L for Auburn sports. And, and and that's the thing because like there was a lot of positive these first couple of weeks of practices right outside of I mean honestly in, injury info if you're an Auburn fan this first spring practice under Brian Harson you're hearing a lot of stuff that you're probably wanting to hear about the progress of certain guys guys getting bigger certain dudes standing out which we'll talk about uh, here shortly but I mean the right news is big because this is a guy who I mean Tyrone Truesdale is back this year Marquise Burks Dre Butler. You know, Zachevious Walker, Jay Hardy, here comes Lee Hunter. There's so many defense, like interior defensive players on this roster that are pretty highly touted. And Truesdale, of course, being that super senior coming back for uh, another season. And yet, here was Jeremiah Wright getting first team reps. You know, Thursday before the scrimmage, before, you know, we, we found out that Wright ended up going down with an injury after we left, this 40 minute viewing window, they had Marquise Burks out there with the first team, but Wright was rotating as well. Truesdale's been a guy that I think it's just one of those things where they kind of know what they got out of him at this point, even with a new staff. I mean, his body of work speaks for itself. Jeremiah Wright was playing really, really well, like I said, and like he, 
you know, th there was the video um, that was posted of, of him, you know, really powering through guys on the offensive line during that Saturday open practice a couple weeks ago. And yet, you know, he was a guy that Derek Mason talked about last week. It's like every time he steps on the field, he's getting better. And and he played defensive tackle in high school and offensive tackle. Auburn brought him in as an offensive, uh, offensive tackle because they needed him. Ended up defensive tackle was a better spot for him. He was really catching fire in the uh, in his development. And that was a guy that, I mean, he was a guy that you would think um, could really play a role for Auburn, even if he wasn't an out-and-out -out starter, even if he wasn't a star player, because, you know, as we say all the time, you can't teach size. He's the biggest defensive lineman they've got, and he was playing He was playing good football at that point. So it, it, it's really rough. It's rough for anybody to ever have an injury. You never want to see that. You never want to see any of these things happen to any guys out there, but especially a dude who was playing the best football of his young career at this point. And it felt like he was about to break through. I mean, he was, you would say during spring ball, he was probably the surprise breakout star of the first half. And we'll talk about another one of them in a second. But the right injury, I mean, it's just, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal for a guy that, you know, you don't, you want to know how well he comes back off of this injury. You want to know how, how long it'll take for him to get back. Hopefully it's early enough and he can recover enough that maybe he can contribute this year. But, you know, that might be that might be a tough you know a tough uh, road for him but it was just uh, it was just the worst possible time for this to happen to a guy who was who was catching on yeah and so uh, while I'm hopeful that he might be able to come back and and participate I generally think that it's probably over for him this year again I don't want to trivialize or, or or make light of an injury because again it's it's a really rough injury and but if there was a position group that you could probably take a a an absence right now, would those interior guys, right? Like I just as mentioned, you had Truesdale. Marquise Burks was was competing with him, and if you want to count that nose tackle, you know that big uh, interior guy that they were going to play. And so I think that's where Wright's advantage was going to be is that he could be that big big body down the middle. But like, there's so much depth on this defensive line. It's like, how are they? who's going to play where you look at a first and second team defense out on the practice field. These first couple of times we've been able to see them and there's no Jay Hardy and there's no Lee Hunter. These two top 100 talents. Auburn's going to be fully prepared to handle a loss like this for now. Right. But it does take some of the wind out of your sails a little bit when you come to, to spring practice because he had, he had been such a bright spot. And in contrasting with some other teams like Georgia and Alabama, who, when they have these injuries, are able to simply plug back in another high four or five star, Auburn may have some good depth at that position group. It's not as easy for Auburn as it might be for its rivals to plug in some players. And and that's the thing there is, is like, you're going to be fine if you're Auburn at the, in this in this case in terms of depth, but... There's a reason this dude was being a, was playing with the first team, and he didn't play much last year. He played, you know, a lot in the in the Citrus Bowl because of you know the absences and injuries uh, for that game. But like, there's a reason why they had him ahead of so many guys that on paper are very talented defensive linemen. I mean, he was he was putting in the work. He was he was turning heads. He was impressing his coaches and his teammates. And so, uh, I guess the best way to kind of leave it at this is. You know, best of luck 
to Jeremiah Wright in, in, in his recovery. I hope it's a quick one. We hope it's a full one. And we hope he can get back to what he was before he before he came down with this injury. And, I mean, football, especially <laughs> especially the way that uh, things go down um, up front at the line of scrimmage, is not fair. This is not a fair game. And, and, and to, see, to see a young, talented guy like this get his – career kind of kind of go off course here from this is, is is tough to swallow all right let's talk about some something more positive here with auburn football because painter you have had a year you've had a hard time with your predictions right like prediction you, game and week your predictions have been rough from back in football season basketball season it's been tough and i think 2021 especially football season you want to take what could happen yeah, at the end of basketball season moving forward, you're you're off to a great start. For those who may have listened to our to our premium podcast a couple of weeks back, Painter and I drafted players that we thought could be breakout players in, in spring practice. We we both got a group of five out there. And Painter, one of your picks was Javarius Johnson. And especially again, not to make light of it, especially now with Jeremiah Wright down. Your star right now, your spring breakout star right now from the first half, running away with it, is the short king himself. So you should get a pat on the back. You pat yourself on the back. Pat yourself on the back. You did a good job here. Congratulations to me, baby. I'm so smart. <laughs> so Javarius Johnson, uh, you know, we saw him Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago in the, um, the open practice, catching a lot of balls with the second team, rotating in with the first team. With J.J. Evans going down, with Shedrick Jackson and Xavion Capers still not at 100%. They just need dudes to step up at wide receiver. And Javarius Johnson is that guy right now for Auburn. He got some first-team reps. Um, Mike Bobo uh, called him out individually as the guy that was really turning turning heads, making plays in every practice. He was the t- he, he called him the top playmaker at wide receiver in a couple of, couple of practices. And then Brian Harson, I asked Harson about him on um, on Thursday after practice, and he uh, he was really really he had really really high praise for your boy Painter. Let's I'm gonna read it out real quick. He said he's been one of the most consistent players day in and day out, just as far as his execution, his preparation. I think one thing in particular, the wide receiver position, they're gonna run a lot in practice. There's a lot of conditioning that naturally happens at the wide receiver position. When you watch guys, when we run from drill to drill and we operate in an individual drill, we get in a team drill, seven on seven, whatever it is, you can see which guys are still coming off the ball. And and after that time in practice, the last team period comes in there and you can still see who's still getting off the ball. He's still exploding. He's still getting vertical. He's doing whatever he has to do. And I have seen that from him. He's been one of the most consistent guys that has done that. So this is Javarius Johnson saying is that not only – is he catching the ball well in practice? Not only is he running routes real well and getting open and 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 you know bringing it bringing it in and becoming a guy, I think building that rapport with with Bo Nix. Physically, he's one of those dudes that has caught the eye of the head coach because at the end of practice, when everybody's worn out, he's still he's still coming off the blocks hot, and that is a really really good sign because if you're doing that right now. As a really young player, you're going to be able to kind of build off of that moving forward. Your teammates are going to trust you more, and your coaches are going to be tr- are going to trust you more. And he is he is in a really good position 
to do a lot of work at wide receiver this year for Auburn because he has a skill set that nobody else, you know, on this roster has quite that he is, you know, because of his size and, and, and his agility, he is kind of a, like a, a natural slot guy that can make, make, uh, make life miserable for defenses. He was super productive in high school, as we said, at Hewitt Trussell. It's just he hadn't had that opportunity yet, and this opportunity is coming. He is taking full advantage of it. So, Painter, I know you're happy that the short king is coming through for you right here. It took me a moment to gather how many predictions I got wrong, but I thought Bo would be a top-four quarterback in the league. I had Auburn <laughs> winning eight games in football. I had Auburn you're winning close to that one. more than its projected win total on Ken Palm, which I think was eight conference games. Yep, didn't happen. Um, I'm sure that there's some more out there that uh, you you have said Sharif is coming back, and that one's oh yes, like, I put my feels, I put feels my flag down on that. Yeah. that. That feels exceedingly shaky right now. So that's <laughs> that's a good O for four over the last I don't know what eight months. So I'm glad to get one in the uh, the win column. Thank you, Javarius Johnson. Please keep it up. Johnson is uh, is a slot. They're using him a lot in the slot, which is interesting because if you look at back at Boise State's run brian harson had a guy named cc thomas with the broncos who has been a very productive slot receiver guy who catches you know four or five balls game you know averages about 14 or 15 yards catch any small i believe he's five eight or five nine uh is explosive 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 player and i think he sees a lot of him and javarius johnson so like there's a track record when we talk about like hey the tight ends being productive in his past offenses so watch them um you know this year when we talk about the the power running game and like tank bigsby becoming that feature give me a lot of carries back because of the past you know that makes sense and i think i think johnson's the latest one that's kind of checking the box there um so really good run from him right now i think He's going to continue to, uh, to to separate himself. And I think when we get to A-Day here in a couple of weeks, people are going to be, uh, people are going to be excited to see, him, to, to, to see him play because I think he's got that buzz about him right now. And he plays a position in the slot where he should get a lot of balls thrown his way because those are those quick, you know, he can run those quick routes and, and stuff that, that Bo Nix is, you know, can rely on, especially as they're building out the rest of this offense. So, um yeah, it's a it's a that's a that's a big positive for Auburn right now on offense in a small package. For a big positive in a big package, let's talk about JJ Pegues, everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite big man. Uh JJ Pegues, uh Brian Harson had a very interesting quote about him uh on Thursday. I wanna I wanna read it because um it was it is a really <laughs> really curious in some of the way he phrased this. So here's what Harson had to say. He said, I think he's a physical player. He's a physical presence. I think that is what we'll be able to use really in any phase. He can play on defense. He can play on offense. He can play on special teams. He can do all three of those things. The physicality of the player that's important in this game. Um, moving on later in the quote, uh, talking about the scrimmage, he said today was a big opportunity for him to show that. Um, he knew where to line up. It was the goal for the offense today, get lined up, get in the right spot. He was able to do these things. He was back and forth with the special teams, so he's bouncing around in practice, got some good work in, and he's made some plays uh, so far in the spring. 
JJ Pegues, the most fascinating player on this Auburn roster. Painter, when you hear Brian Harson say, hey, he's a guy we could use in three phases, it sounds like he just did offense and special teams on thir- on Thursday, but like what is immediately coming to mind? Because I think everybody wants to wants to talk about this dude. Are they assuming or are you assuming that they're gonna use him on defense in some capacity? You know, that's that's interesting because, like... It doesn't make sense to me. I'm no, not saying that he can't do it. It just doesn't make any sense. It, it seems to me like, you know, we had this conversation about people saying, well, he need, they need to move him to guard because that's where he's going to play in the NFL. And it's like, okay, you move him to guard, he's not playing for the next couple of years, or at least one. one like, he's going to have to make that transition. You know he can give you something right now at tight end. Special teams is going to be the interesting thing where 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 they move move him around and you know he can do a lot of things. But like one of the things that Brian Harson preaches at preached at Boise State and what he's bringing to Auburn is be physical, win at the line of scrimmage, using power. You talk about guys getting bigger. You talk about that different way of doing things up front. JJ McGee does a lot of that. I mean, there's a you know, a, a video there. Were, I don't know if there was videos, but I know there were photos of him just absolutely leveling Zacoby McLean in that open practice. You remember Ole Miss, he buried a dude on, on a split zone. There's plenty of value there, right? And some people say, okay, well, he's a gimmick. They need to like get rid of it and let him play where he could play in the NFL. And it's like, I, he gives you a ton of value right now, right? Maybe I'm maybe I'm biased in the in this case because I like these kind of players on offense who aren't necessarily the prototypical types, but he's not a gimmick. He's just a good football player on offense, so keep him there. If he wants to make a switch or if he has a professional prospect in the NFL at a different position, let those coaches make that decision, but he's good with the ball in his hands. <laughs> Some of the most exciting plays for Auburn's offense last season that didn't involve Tank Bigsby was him getting the ball in his hands. He's an offensive player. What did he do in high school? He got he made plays with the ball in his hands. And I think it's really telling that when this new staff came in, you know, if people wanted to think he was a gimmick or, you know, he was something that, you know, miles on a pet project or something like that, this staff came in and was like, yeah, you're still a tight end, bud. You're bigger now and you're still a tight end. You're playing fullback some as well. That, I think, is 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 a really... I think that's a really important sign. Now, he could move around, and, and Harson saying that, I mean, I don't know if that's more of we will play him on defense or we might play him defense or, hey, we need dudes like that to play on defense. Like, we need that kind of physical presence on defense. That's the type of player we could use anywhere because that's how we want to play. Offense, defense, and special teams, we want to be physical. Maybe that's where he was going with it. I tend to agree with that, like, NFL coaches think, think he can play at a different position. That's fine. But right now he has a value added with the ball in his hands. It's not like, right. don't overthink it. And I guess, you know, I understand some of the Auburn fans who are like, oh, you know, Gus Malzahn did too much gimmicky stuff, which sure there's, I think, some truth in that. But also, like, just hard to tackle him. And like, he's surprisingly <laughs> yeah. agile for someone that size. I don't, I, uh-huh. I don't overthink it. I think my Bobo said it last week when he said, like, you hear guys all the time that, oh, you know, I I asked him, yeah, no, I asked him, I was like, have you ever been around a guy like that? He said, the only guys I've been around like that are guys that when they play defensive tackle or defensive end and they say, oh, that guy could play offense. He's that athletic. He's like, yeah, th- I've seen those guys like that. But Pegues is the only one who's actually doing it, right? Like, 
Yeah, Jadavian Clowney, you could have said, you know, I know he wasn't in South Carolina when he was there, but, like, you could look at a guy like Jadavian Clowney or any of these, like, big Georgia defensive linemen that were there when he was when he was at Georgia. You can say, oh, yeah, they could have played offense, but they didn't. This is a dude who's actually doing it, and this is that, it's that rarity. And, and like we just said with the Jeremiah Wright stuff, you don't need him to play defense. You've got, a plenty, of, you've got plenty of talent over there. And I think the offensive line thing is even more challenging because, yes, if, J- if you took J.J. Pickett's physicality, his agility, and his strength, um, his blocking ability, and you channeled that into a guard, yeah, that probably would work, right? But you are going to take away an option for this offense in the meantime. And if he moves to guard, having not played it at a high level, I don't think he's going to necessarily. I don't think he's going to come in and just say, "All right, well, I'm beating out either Tayshawn Manning or Keandre Jones." Like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Or Brandon Council, whenever he gets back in the picture, like I, that to me is not the issue. You have guards, and I think that's the. I think that's where it comes in is that Auburn fans, some Auburn fans, see the struggles on the offensive line and say, "Well, that guy could could really be a help a help to us there." And it's like maybe, but like. It won't. It won't happen overnight. That would be a long process to make that transition. So, if you get the three hundred pound dude who played, who caught, who caught the ball and ran the ball and even played some quarterback in high school, you let him keep doing it here. And then if they, if people want to move him down the road, okay. But this isn't like this is. You know, it's not like JJ Pegues is like. Well, this dude would be a you know a first round offensive lineman if they if they made the switch. Like you know, he's never done it before. We don't know how he would look like if he played a different position. Right now, though, you just know that this is what he's good at. So keep keep it going. And and I think Harson and Bobo, when you look at the way they've used some kind of novel concepts and and ideas and tweaks in their offenses in the past, a guy like Pegues makes a ton of sense for him. Um, Boy, Boise State had. It was Tiny Hopper, who I believe Auburn recruited once upon a time. Um, not nearly as big as Pegues is. I think Pegues has got a good 30 or 40 pounds on him. But they kind of used him as that H-back tight end who could move around and fullback and do a lot of different things that way. And so you can be creative and get, get him moving around. I just it's, it's just... it's just puzzling to see how, how many Auburn fans out there and it's not a majority by any means but there's a group out there that just thinks all right we need to give this guy another position or we gotta we gotta you know quit with all this and it's like i don't i don't see it man. i understand like, I, being concerned about the offensive line i'm right there oh, with yeah. you but this is no, he's not your answer for that problem and then in terms of like a player who can really contribute with the ball in his hands i think he is clearly that we saw him do that nicely last season do you remember laquan mcgowan i believe is his name yeah the, the baylor guy all right well mm-hmm. he played in only a handful of games in his career mm-hmm. and he had three receptions that to me is a guy that's a gimmick play it was really awesome when a 400 pound football player scored a touchdown but he had three receptions for 41 yards that is yeah, not he- what that is not we're not talking about the same thing like this is someone who can actively contribute on your offense as a playmaker with the ball or as you mentioned as a blocking fullback or what have you by the way, Laquan McGowan, his only career touchdown he caught in a game was thrown by Jared Stidham. Stidham. <laughs> yeah, how funny how that works. I remember McGowan like because he felt like he was like a he was like a spring game gimmick. Like they kept feeding him the ball in like, and that was around the time they also had Sean Oakman, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, wow, Baylor has, and that was when Baylor was 
fun and great and not covering up, you know, sexual sexual assaults and, you know, being a horrible culture of, of football. But it was at that, that, that time, it, it really, it really fat, it really at that point. Yeah, no, I was just saying, it's like, we didn't know about all that yet. But, you know, McGowan, it, it, I remember the spring game. It was just like, it felt like, because I was at, I was at Sporting News intern in that spring when it happened. I remember us writing like some post about him because it was like, wow, look at what this dude's doing. And then it's like, okay, well, it, that didn't actually translate later in the year. He's it's awesome for me. dude. Yeah. And I mean, I'm curious if like this offense is going to use the Wildcat. We've already seen him play fullback. Um, and, I, and I guess this is where I can kind of sidebar here real quickly and say a guy who has been pretty impressive in spring practices, talking about the tight ends, is, is Luke Deal. Luke Deal caught a touchdown pass in the scrimmage the other day. He has been playing fullback. He has been pretty much the first tight end out there a lot. Now, we know John Samuel Shanker is playing baseball right now, and that affects things. But Luke Deal, Auburn's – I mean, you can make an argument Luke Deal was Auburn's best blocker last season, right? Run blocker when he was on the field. And as a physical talent and an athletic big man, if he can go up and make make plays through the air and he can contribute it with that blocking as well, I mean, Auburn's got a really good little one-two punch there with him and Pegues can kind of move around and do different things. We've seen Auburn try, try two tight end sets. And not to say forget Brandon Frazier, forget Tyler Fromm, um, forget, you know, Landon King or, or, or uh, you know, a guy like Shanker. I think when we've seen Frazier and Fromm more in the spring, they've kind of done big slots, you know, spread out stuff. Where they're like they've they've got value. They just might not be the you know put your hand in the dirt uh, or play fullback kind of type of guys all the time. Um, but I mean that position group's really really coming along. And Painter, we've had this conversation several times this offseason, but like I know Auburn fans are kind of believe it when you see it mode. But I, I don't think you can look at what guys like Deal and Pegues are doing in spring practice and think, well, it'll be another year where Auburn doesn't throw the ball to the tight end or doesn't use them very much. It'd be stupid not to. You got all those players that seem capable. And yeah. also it would be weird just given that we know that these coaches have done it in the past. Shaping up pretty well, I think, for Auburn to kind of turn it loose with those guys. Uh, the Pegues the stuff's just been kind of odd. I don't know, just some of the some of the 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 uh, capital T, capital N, the narrative uh, around around this guy. But it sounds like they might have some sort of separation, some sort of, you know, maybe moving some things around on the pecking order, the depth chart, whatever, when they come back from uh, their spring break, which, by the way, pretty good that uh, Auburn is getting that opportunity. You know, and I can see why. You might want to just keep it going, you know, four weeks. Hey, you don't have spring break. Just do it for four uh, weeks all the way through. But Harson was talking through all the different options and, and all the different, you know, things that could be afforded to the players during this week off. Strength and conditioning staff is going to try to get a plan together to make sure these guys finish well. One of the things that Harson mentioned, and I think has kind of gotten overlooked in this whole thing, is that this week off is going to be big for the coaches because, like, those guys have to still take care of, like, real-life stuff going on right now. Like, so a lot of those just had to completely, like, jump in. You know, we know when coaches change jobs a lot, it takes a while before the before the family joins. So, I mean, that was something I hadn't really considered a ton until Harson brought it up on Thursday, but this will be a good good off week for the for the coaches as well to kind of, breathe a little bit and then get right back into the grind. 
the the spring to this point seems to be largely positive, but I also mm-hmm. am I think I've been tuned in the way that Malzahn and his staff were were so like hush about everything to not to not read into too much. Like Harson seems to have generally been more open and yeah. uh yeah. like that part has been kind of nice and I feel like we have a sense of like some of the positives, maybe more so than the negatives. You've called him a straight shooter. Do you have a sense of like what it is he thinks that the team at this point has not done well? They're still so early in the process of like getting things installed. His big thing on on Thursday, and I wrote about it in the observations. the The key to the to the Thursday scrims was two things: operations and execution. And so, operations meaning from the coaches and the players, can you call the play in correctly? Can you get everybody set where they need to be? And you know, get get all of the the moving parts that go into calling and running plays on both sides of the ball and even on special teams with a new staff, can you get that sorted? And it sounded like, from what Hartson said, they were pretty good in that area. They only had a you know few miscues, didn't have any headset problems, which is always a big thing for those guys. And he he complimented Bo Nix on how he operated the offense, which is which I think is a good sign. But in the in the second part was execution. Just can you run the plays? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing on this play? Can you just go do it? Like I you don't expect mastery at this point, but you expect just execution. I think right now it's and to him that was those were mixed it was a mixed bag. You know, he had guys that he thought stepped up and did the things they were supposed to. He's had other guys who need more work on it. They're gonna be able to move it move on from there. But from his pre spring comments and where he was at now, this is gonna be a lot of kind of evaluating and then the second half of spring ball, they're gonna be able to really focus in on some things. But I think right now it's just where do all these pieces fit? Can we just start establishing a foundation from what we've heard from him? After every practice, he seems to have positives and negatives to say. You know, sometimes coaches just come in and say, "Oh, I thought it was good," or, you know, or, or you know, we we're not satisfied with anything. We still got a long way to go. And it's just kind of a mixture of that, which I think is more honest than what you get from time to time from coaches. Yeah, you must really suck if you can't find like any positives. <laughs> and also, <laughs> if you're only talking about the positives, and it's like, well, I don't believe you. Yeah, you can't talk about all the positives and then, you know, win, like lose five ball games in the fall, right? Like, I will, I will say one thing, and this is, Panner, I think we had this conversation about Harson when he got hired. If you're asking him questions, you need to be very specific with him because the man will talk a lot. And there's some coach speak, you know, scattered in there like any coach would be, but he's got kind of that, he's got kind of that thing where if you want to just kind of drill in with a specific, like, hey, what about this player right here? He can give you an answer or this certain position group or this certain thing that happened. I think if you kind of go with the general, like, how do you think practice is going? Or like, who are your leaders? Or like, whatever you want to go with that. Like, TV, that is like a waste of his time. No, I think he just, it, he, he could just, he can speak in generalities all day. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you kind of get to the I end was... of it and you're like, okay, well, did we, do, did we learn anything from this? Like he answered the question, but did you learn anything? I mean, the times I've been able to talk to him, and ask questions. I've just been like, "Oh yeah, you bet. You got to come pretty, pretty direct with something. Otherwise, we'll just talk for a while, but you're not exactly sure what answer you got out of them. Right? Stuff that could apply to anything, and and not the most interesting stuff in the world, right? From from our perspective, you know, I'm sure it has value for for the team. But I wonder when the first time it'll get tense is. Now, right yeah. now, I think we're still in the honeymoon yeah. phase, right? There's been no tough losses. You're in year zero right now, so the fan base is excited about what could be mm-hmm. instead of what it's not or what they think it should be. Uh, you know, like if he gets a little more pointed. 
we'll leave football at that and we'll we'll talk about some basketball and some other things here. But before we do so, Painter, let's let the folks at home know how they can continue to support what we've got going on here, our little our little radio internet program. <laughs> rate review subscribe that helps us tremendously the numbers are looking good right now that's because of you guys and we appreciate all the support you're giving whether you're doing it with this free episode whether you're subscribing reading ferg stories of course i'd urge you to subscribe we'd love to have your hard-earned dollars if you're not in a position to do that please please rate review subscribe if you feel so inclined throw us five stars baby come on five stars Really helps us out a ton with uh, with people trying to find it on Apple. I do want to uh, to read a review. Remember, we have a review policy on this show. If you write a review on Apple, you can only say nice things about Painter. Don't say anything nice about me, and we will read them. Painter, this review comes to us from uh, somebody who is under the the uh, the name Chief Wokenboke. Which I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, don't know what uh what all that you yeah, you might be into that I don't know. His review or her review says, "Great podcast gives me something to listen to on Sunday night long walks after eating too much food all day long." Man, that sounds like you know big fan of the long walk, especially on the, on Sunday nights. You sound like you have a pretty good weekend going on. So I hope I hope this podcast finds you well, Chief, right now. Says informative, deep, and good AU folk. Appreciate that. It's very kind. Didn't didn't uh, mention painters. We'll we'll let it slide this time. I'm glad uh, glad that you guys are enjoying what we're doing. We ain't going anywhere. We're just beginning, baby. We're getting we're getting this thing rolling. Speaking of speaking of eating too much, Sarah's family is coming to, into town soon, and we are going to your spot, Panty George's, uh, yes, very soon. Yes, sir. Oh my God, I'm ready. I've been looking forward to it for a week now. So, you know the whole thing. Uh, do y'all have a day that you're going specifically? Well, right. I don't know. We can. I'll go on a certain day. I know that's your spot. Give me a suggestion. What's the What's the move? So, I'm telling you, one of the things you want to do is, if you already know that they're going to be here for a little while, in a few days, that first day, go on Instagram, look them up at Panty George's, and look at the menu for the day. And if the menu, if you look at the menu and you're like, man, let's do it, right on it, jump on it. Go for it. Like, as soon as you see a menu that clicks, if you look at a menu, you're like, man, maybe the sides are not necessarily the one. Maybe I'm waiting on something specific. Try to go the next day, you know? Just just check it. Uh, just check it at the beginning of the day and see if the menu's speaking to you. When it's, and when the spirit leads you, <laughs> go for it. So that's my, that's my advice. That first day they're there, or the first option y'all have to go do it, might want to check it out and see... Hey, y'all good, y'all good with this menu? Are we feeling it? If so, go for it, because you don't want to miss out on an opportunity. If not, just ease back. You got some flexibility here. Well, what does that leave us with the shooty hoops? So, basketball, we talked about it on the midweek show uh, for the Inner Circle. The Sharif Cooper and JT Thor situation with Thor uh, announcing that he wanted to go pro and how his statement was very... It sounded like a guy who was ready to go go to the NBA, which I mean, who can blame him? I would love to be paid millions of dollars for the thing that I'm I'm good at doing. Uh, unfortunately, the only thing I'm decent at doing is this, and uh, I'm not I'm not making millions yet. Maybe if enough people join the inner circle, but it, <laughs> the thing the thing though, those on uh, seriously. But if you missed that episode, or if you subscribe recently, go back and listen to it. That would be uh, our our most recent episode before this one. That is. 
uh, episode 60, Whisper Your Magic, that we had a, we had a pretty long discussion about Thor there and, and Cooper, and, and we mentioned Xavier Pinson and, and, and what's going on there, the transfer situation for Auburn. No movement yet on that. Um, you know, Auburn hasn't picked anybody up yet, but man, there are dudes going into the portal, like a lot of quality players every single day. Like it's, this has got to be a tough spot for a college coach to be in because not just for guys who might be leaving your program, but like, you know, you only have so many spots you can give and there are really good players joining all the time. Like one of, one of uh, Duke's best players, I think entered the portal today um, on Saturday, I should say. And I mean, it's just going to continue to rack up. Um, Auburn's not going to be lacking options, lacking for options, even right. if Thor Honestly, leaves, even with if all the, leaves. all the shuffling that Bruce is having to deal with this offseason, this is a good time to uh, actually have it happen because he's got some real options at his disposal. And I know it's no fun when someone like Justin Powell leaves your program. I don't want to be the school that is having players leave. But for the longest time, the argument has been you shouldn't have players yeah. able to go wherever they want to go which of course is not smart and is not really a good argument given what the coaches can do that the pay- players aren't paid. But all that aside, if you just put that argument away for a moment, is this not exciting? Like, I don't see how it's making the sport any worse. It's not. Coaches will complain about it because they'll be like, yeah, I mean, so they're they're babies, of, though. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't care, man. You're a millionaire and you coach amateurs. Like, I just don't care. Your job is to coach basketball. I know it's probably it probably like for Pearl. It's I'm sure he was. Co- yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they put in a lot of hours. Like, there's no denying that, but they're also not shoveling coal. <laughs> On top yeah. of it, like, I mean, you know, yeah. Does it, did it suck? I imagine Bruce was caught flat footed by the Powell decision. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? He can now go to the portal and get someone to replace him. It's not as if like there's only one Justin Powell. I know that there are some other fans that might think that, but it's, he's he's both a good player and also replaceable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was caught flat-footed by the by the Davion Mitchell move too, and you know Davion ended up becoming an awesome player at Baylor. But that next season, they they will you know went to the Final Four. They, you know it was they were they were fine long term. Um, and it's just, I mean, this is just kind of the price of doing business when you play high stakes recruiting in college basketball. And and this year, you're just going to get more transfers than ever because of the weirdness of the COVID year and the carousel and how, how that's going. On top of that, on top of that, like the, these waivers being being signed off on, hopefully uh, in the next couple of months, guys know they can just go whenever they want to, and like they are, there's going to be a bigger rush because of, because of the preparation for it. So. You know, we thought Auburn was going to have pretty much the same roster next season, but, you know, that's not how everything's working out at this point. They have Zap Jasper in, and I'm hoping to write a kind of a, a breakdown of Zap Jasper's game later this week at the Observer. So if you're a subscriber, you'll be able to read that and kind of what he brings into the table. But, like, there's more pieces. And if Cooper and Thor leave or anybody else, like, that's more spots to, to add on to. You're connected to a guy like Pinson. Be interesting to see if Walker Kessler comes available. You know, guys like Marion Jones are out there. There's been other transfer wings that they've that they've been connected to at this point. And oh, by the way, it's not like the cupboard is bare. If those guys like, you still have Alan Flanagan. You still have Jalen Williams. You still have Devin Cambridge. You still have, you know, Dylan Cardwell. 
oh, and by the way, the best recruit you've ever had, yes, even better than Sharif Cooper in terms of his prospect, Jabari Smith is coming in, and Trey Alexander, who is one of the best two guards you've ever signed, is coming into the picture. So, like, it's not like the cupboard is going to be bare. I mean, I, I get it. I get that there's some people who are going to panic, but I don't think the people who are panicking are really paying attention. There's more pressure on some guys, I think, if this shakes out now the way we expect it to with Sharif. It seems to me, if you're reading between the lines, I mean, again, you don't want to be caught flat-footed if you're Pearl and not be prepared for Sharif's exodus. Mm-hmm. I think he's gone. Like I said, I tend to agree with you. I think the way Thor worded that, it seems like Thor's going to be able to go ahead and make the jump or at least is prepared to. Uh, so you, you're really counting on some of these sophomores and, and you know the guys in Alan Flanagan's class to step up and you're going to have to lean on them more. And like, like I need Devin Cambridge to shoot more than 30% from three. I need him to be better from the free throw line. Like Flanagan was great in some games, but you'd like to see a little bit more consistency. And of course, mm-hmm. we can get into yeah. the conversation about, well, he was playing out of position. But all that said, there will be more pressure on those guys to perform at a higher level. I still don't exactly know what this roster is going to look like. And like, I need a big jump out of the guys like Cardwell uh, that were freshmen that you could sort of excuse the inconsistency this past year because, well, they were just that. They were young freshmen. They're going to be able to take that step forward. There's a good core in place. And I think with Smith and Alexander, it just adds on to it. I think, again, I think I've said this throughout the offseason. I don't think people are talking enough about how good Trey Alexander is. And he is a freshman and he's going to have, you know, freshman issues, sure. But. This is a dude that can shoot from anywhere on the floor. He's a really good uh, defensive guard, especially shot blocking. He can get his own. He can get his own looks. I think Auburn. If you look at the roster, the way they're building it out right now, you're going to have to solve your point guard spot, whether it's Cooper or you know bringing a guy like Pinson or somebody like that. You're good on that, right? You know, you're you're going to be you're going to be a, in a in a really good spot. I think even if Cooper leaves. You're going to bring bring in somebody with some experience that's going to be able to help you out. You bring in Zep Jasper as well. Um, but I, I, this roster, I think, you know, if Thor leaves, you might could be able to use another forward if you can get it. Maybe guy. I think you need another wing. I think you need somebody who can replace Justin Powell and Jamal Johnson's shooting ability because Cambridge could get better there. Flanagan could get better better from deep. Alexander could be a really good player from there. Jasper's efficiency should go up when he comes to Auburn because he's not having to do everything like he did at the College of Charleston. But I think you could also, like, if you could go get a sniper, and there are plenty of them in the portal, if they could go get a sniper, I think they're, they're going to be overall fine. Then you start getting to the point where it's like 12th and 13th scholarships. Well, you're probably not going to go that deep with your rotation, right? And then it's, you start to think, like, all right, who do you come in, come in with? Um... Like it's, we said it before the before the end of the season, it's going to be very tough for Bruce Pearl and that staff to figure out who plays where, when, and how much this next season. Even when guys move around, that's still going to be the case. That's still going to be the case next year. Like you, you aren't going to play all thirteen of your scholarships consistently, especially in SEC play. So it's going to be a fascinating time. And like we said, I mean, this is where pressure comes in. Because if Auburn basketball was going through this kind of overhaul during the Barbie years or even early in the Pearl years, you know, it's, it's not getting that much play. It's the fact that Bruce Pearl has brought consistent championship quality basketball over the last few seasons to Auburn is a big deal. This season, they took a step back because of the weirdness of the COVID year 
and all the youth and the injuries and the Sharif Cooper situation. But they've got everything in place right now to get back to that level next season. And if you look at the way they've been recruiting, get even better, which is crazy to think about because they've already been to the Final Four and they've already won the SEC title and the SEC uh, tournament title. The stakes have never been higher, given what Auburn's rival is doing and given what I think is the most deep league that we've seen. I, I don't know when the last time the league at least had this much talent in it, and uh, that is making Bruce's job harder. Look at what Ole Miss is able to do. They brought in some good recruiting classes as well, and like that's not a team that I think is going to make plays at championships, but they've got a better roster under Davis than they've had, I think, since I was a kid. I've thought – not to get too far off the tangent, I'm fascinating at what, fascinated at where Alabama goes next season because they lose a lot. And they're bringing in good players, they're but like, good this players. was a year in which the experience mattered a lot, I think, because of the unusual spring and summer, and they had those four core seniors. But yeah, like it's, I, I expect some measure of a drop-off for them just because of how much of their production they're losing and how much of that production are players that have been there for, you know, what, four seasons now. And I think this tournament has also proven that like it's a total crapshoot once you get into the thing, right? You want to be in your best position to get there, but like it's not the end of the world if you're not the best team in America or one of the you're a champion when you get in necessarily moving forward for Auburn because look at what happened to the Big Ten in this tournament. Oh, it was a great conference in the regular season. It was on pace to be the second best conference season ever under Ken Palm in the Ken Palm era. Like that's how high quality basketball was in the Big Ten this year, and they all got picked off in, in the first weekend except for uh, Michigan. So uh, let's see. Here's an example right now. We're recording this on, on Saturday afternoon. Oregon State just beat Loyola. Oregon State, the team that was picked last in the Pac-12, the team that had to get on a crazy run in the Pac-12 tournament to make it to the NCAA tournament, they're in the Elite Eight. Makes no sense. Go. And then Alabama and Arkansas give those as examples of the SEC getting into the spot in this tournament. The chaos has helped Alabama and Arkansas to this point because Alabama now has to play a double-digit seed in UCLA that played in the first four in their Sweet 16 game. Meanwhile, Arkansas gets to play Oral Roberts, only the second 15 seed to ever make it this far. So, like, (laughs) you know, think about that and then compare it to what... Also, it just makes what Auburn did when they made their Final Four run even more crazy. Because you think about the teams they went through to get to that point after surviving New Mexico State. It's wild. But, I mean, you play who is in front of you. All you have to do is just get in. And yes, where your seating is and all that you know, can help you a ton. If you're a team like Gonzaga and Baylor, as we've seen this year, be excellent all year, and then you get into the tournament, you look like the two best teams in America still in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. But it's like what we saw with the Final Four run. Like we saw you know, with the SEC tournament run, you don't have to necessarily be the very, very best in the SEC to make a run in this tournament and make and make you know make another run at a national title, which I think is going to be a little bit of a comfort for Auburn because with all this roster turnover this this season and just how good the rest of the conference is, it's going to be a challenge. But we know one thing above all else, Painter, and it's even more clear because of what Oregon State's doing right now, is that Tennessee will still be predicted to win the SEC somehow. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to happen. It is baffling at this point. That it's like, man, they lost to an Elite Eight team. That, you know, that, they should have been really good. 
I I don't know how to feel if I'm a Tennessee fan about Barnes because he's brought a certain level of consistency and a certain level of talent in. But you know, when it comes to the postseason, you're not going very far, baby. No, you you were not. Speaking of that, nothing to do with Auburn, nothing to do with the SEC. But Shaka Smart getting the escape pod and going to Marquette. Yeah. Folks are trying to tell me Brucey to Texas, and I'm hearing yeah, none Seth of that. Greenberg, I will, Seth, I will absolutely not entertain that, that idea. Yeah, Seth, Seth Greenberg. Would love that. Pushing that one. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, one, I don't think Bruce leaves Auburn. I, I think this is a place that he'll, he'll probably end up retiring. But number two, like, even if there's a place that could throw him a lot of money, that NCAA thing's still not gone right like does anybody he's not will wade he's not you know archie miller or sean miller i should say archie just got fired but like <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit of a harder sell for for some for some places but i i guess that's the tie in there is that shaka smart went to marquette which i think it'll be, it'll be a great move texas is gonna be on the market like i don't know what texas does I, I, if i'm them i just say chris beard how much money does it take for us to get you out of texas tech <laughs> How funny is it going to be now when 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 how funny is it going to be now when uh, Nate Oates gets to hear Texas talk now after the oh the boy he would thing. be absolutely triggered. <laughs> I have never even been to Texas. I don't even know what it looks like. I think Auburn's going to be fine, but the Indiana thing really did go away for him, huh? Like he yeah. he was put, not not having it. Poor Indiana. They tried to get Brad Stevens, and Brad Stevens was like, "I was just trying to be nice to y'all." Not leaving, the flames I'm not going up with. Him. I'm not keeping up with the Celtics at all. But hasn't hasn't there been a rocky few months for them? Not just in rocky. terms of performance, but like the murmurings around the cohesion of the locker room. Yeah, it's been rocky. But here's the thing: if I'm going to leave the NBA and go back to college basketball, the only way I'm doing that is if you fire me. I'm not yeah. willingly going to go, <laughs> go to college. Leaving. Yeah, I'm not going to. Like, I'm either going to have to be fired or like it's about to happen. I'm not. I'm not going to just be like, oh yeah, I'll go. Uh, I'll go uh, do all that uh, recruiting stuff again. That'll be fun. <laughs> I just made millions of dollars coaching millionaires. I don't need to. I don't think I need to do this again. Going back to the NCAA, and you know, you mentioned some of those coaches that have also been tied to nefarious recruiting. You know, the stance of this show is that we don't care. It's you know Not baked into the system. It's like these kids deserve to get something. I am fascinated to know though, are they going to like give a ruling out? On yeah. this and I mean, punish like, Auburn at some point where like the players on the team are like 13 years old. And it's like, well, that has nothing to do with any of them. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I think Bruce Pearl is cheating, but you know what? I don't care because so are all the other coaches. And what is cheating when it's a billion dollar industry and the players aren't even getting a cut? Not like we can, we could debate what a fair cut is, but just not any at all. Okay. So like, I, I do not care, but even right. beside that, and you part, shouldn't like, either. And, and then it's like, okay, well, the difference between the Chuck Person thing is that like Chuck Person was looking out for himself yep. in that scenario. Now, am I naive enough to think that there isn't others? Like there isn't a reason why suddenly Auburn started getting much better players when Bruce showed up? Obviously. <laughs> Again, like for the third time, don't care. Don't care. And so what? when is the NCAA going to either decide, you know what, this isn't worth it? Or they're just going to put a ruling out, like I said, when like the kids that are then playing for the program are like 12 years old. It just is mind-boggling to me that we've got coaches on wiretaps that were wiretapping coaches at all, as if this is a good use of time. Um, yeah. That we're pretending that there's some sort of like moral arc involved with this, and that a some, victimless crime. 
that some people are doing this the right way and others are doing it the wrong way. Could we get some sort of clarity on this, Mark Emmert? I don't know. I, I felt like I felt like it was going to come at some point. Maybe it'll come after the tournament, but like it's been so long and drawn out that it's it's pointless. And especially now, if we're going to be in an age where name, image, and likeness becomes a thing, you know, amateurism as it stands right now is so goofy. You're not giving these players an opportunity to take advantage of the value that they bring to their university, the value that they bring to the economy at large and, and not only in the local area. Everybody but in, benefits. Everybody but for them. them. Everybody but them. Yes, they're getting an education. Yes, they are, okay. you know, in the top 1% of how college students are treated and all that. That's true, but it's still not equitable. It's a billion dollars. I don't if want to hear pay, about your, your scholarship to the, and it's the same people that use that argument that then talk about, well, you probably just got a liberal arts degree. It's like, yeah, I mean, fine. But if that's yeah, how you feel about degrees, then why are you talking to me about the value of that education? Clearly you don't care about the education either. But like, these people should be able to benefit something just, I mean, again, if you pay players salaries and all that, like it, it, it changes everything. But we already have a system in place when naming and lightness is going to come there. Like we have the Olympic model. It, it it makes too much sense, right? That you can get stuff, you can benefit off of what you bring to the table and outside of things. It's just not the university itself that's going to pay you. They're not going to do that. They're not going to open up that can of worms. Okay, that's fine. But we're protecting this institution that, yes, d- does college football and college basketball and all these sports, do they change people's lives and get, get them access to generational wealth? Yes, but that was going to be the case if you're really good at if you're really good at sports anyway, right? It's just this is the step you have to go through for the most part. And so yeah, I I I don't see why people would get uptight about it. Like I yeah, you should get you shouldn't, but I can see why you get mad if like my rival's team is cheating and we aren't, and they should get in trouble for it because we've gotten in trouble for, for cheating. Like, okay, I understand that argument, but like at it, it, the very case of it, like it shouldn't matter to you that kids are getting played, paid to play sports, whether it is legally or illegally, whether it's NIL or not. Like if you're an Auburn fan and you grew up in the state of Alabama or you're an Alabama fan or whatever, in the state of Alabama, this is your pro team, right? This is, this is the team you have, the pa- you have so much passion for that it supersedes pretty much all else. Like you have it the same way people in major cities and other areas of this country feel about their pro teams. Like this is your pro team. You have that passion. You like to brag about that. So why is it a big deal when it kind of gets a little semi-professionally when it comes to the money? The other thing that really chaps my ass is of course, that the, the media, the way that it is covered by certain individuals is like, right. you can write a piece about Zion Williamson and about how we need to move on. But then of course you will skewer Auburn over it. And I will be honest, I'm ignorant of all the minutia of the Colin Sexton thing. Again, don't care that they paid him. Dude was an NBA player. So you know what? Good investment, Alabama. But like, it's curious how that just went away. It's curious that, that Will Wade, as I've said many times now, not to keep coaching, we know what he was doing. That hasn't got away. They just, said, they just said we don't care. And we don't <laughs> care, which honestly, I kind of respect that. I they do. Just, they're just buckling down with it, which is kind of LSU, right? Like, that, that's the kind of vibe you would expect somebody from LSU to give. But, to like, give. It, it, you know, again, like, as I've pointed out, and I understand what you're saying, where Auburn took some caution or whatever. They took caution with Sharif. Is that fair to say? Yes. Well, whereas 
Because like the NCAA never came out and said, this guy is ineligible. It's just like, oh, he hasn't been cleared yet. Semantics, but I think it's a little bit different. Anyway, that's enough ranting on the matter, but... Uh... Pay the players. Some quick shout-outs here real quick. While we're recording this, Auburn Baseball has just made a... Uh, Made a comeback trying to even up that series against Ooh. Kentucky, so we'll keep that in mind. Shout out to though to the Auburn soccer team, two one victory over Alabama. Alabama got a you know consolation prize in the 90th minute to get it to two to one, but Auburn going on the road to Tuscaloosa and getting the rivalry win, big win for Karen Hoppe and that and that bunch as Auburn soccer tries to push to this weird year in the postseason and all that. Um, as we're recording this, it looks like Auburn Equestrian is about to moonwalk to another SEC title. No one should be surprised there. But again, when you're dominant that long, it's pretty incredible. No matter, I mean, no matter what sport it is, no matter how long you've been, you've been that dominant, I, all the ins and outs, you don't care. If you're that good for that long, you should get plenty of attention. It looks like Auburn's about to to get another SEC title in equestrian. So respect how Greg Williams talks about his teams. He does not shy away from talking about how good they are <laughs> and about knows, how good they'll be. Knows and I love he is, it. He I is love the kingmaker. He knows it. And it's great. So great. All right. Well, that will do it for this podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, as Painter said earlier, rate, review, subscribe, all that to support the show. $6 a month or $60 a year. If you want to join us uh, in the inner circle at auburnobserver.com um, we will be back later this week to talk some talk some more uh, Auburn football and Auburn basketball on the midweek show mailbag will be back on Friday if you're listening you want to give us a you want to give us a question send it in uh, to my email address it's in my bio on Twitter or you can just tweet it at me at jferguson you follow painter at paint sharpless painter final thoughts Come on, give me some more good news, Brian Harson. By the way, his sweater game, immaculate.